Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. Well, good morning. How are you doing today? It's good to see you. Uh, good to be here, isn't it? It's uh, good to be here with God and one another and be pursuing Him together. Uh, welcome to you, especially if you're brand new. My name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor here at the Church of Rocky Peak, and we're about to go into our time of teaching. And so inside of your program is a message note sheet that, that we get to uh, use today. I encourage you to take that out, especially if you're new. That'll help you follow along as we, uh, we, we get going. So uh, you all ready to go? Yeah. All right, let's pray. God, we're just so thankful to be here, and as we, we get to talk today about this incredible topic so important in our culture today, of our sexuality, and what it means to be a, a follower of Jesus in, in the midst of this culture, and, and how you've called and, and come to recreate us for lives of both passion and purity, uh, we, we pray that you would meet us in just a powerful way, and I pray that you'd be with me, strengthen me, my voice, uh, just give me freedom as I teach. I pray that as a church, we just gather around your word, that we would sense your Holy Spirit here being our true teacher, and that we'd follow his leading. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, today uh, we are continuing this series that we've been in now, what, six, seven, eight weeks, something like that, uh, most of the summer. And for those of you, uh, we do want to welcome you that are, that are brand new. Uh, this series is called Choose Wisely, and it's a study uh, in the Old Testament book of Proverbs, which if you're not familiar with it, it's one of the most famous books in the Bible, extremely uh, popular because extremely practical. And so today we, we come to the topic of uh, uh, sexuality. And, and I can't really think of a topic that's more important for us in the midst of our culture today, uh, what it means to be a follower of Jesus and the path to life. And so if you've been with us throughout this series, you know that, that the, the whole thought of this series, kind of the idea of Proverbs, is that there is a path to life and there's a path to death. And so if we want to choose the path to life, we have to choose wisely. And so today the topic is, is our sexuality. Now, what I want to do today is kind of break down the message into a couple sections. Uh, the first section is a, a big picture section. We want to stand back from Proverbs and say, what does the book of Proverbs teach us? Just kind of a big picture principles of, of, about our sexuality, uh, create a couple buckets, put it in there, get the big picture. And then second, we want to come back and talk about what does it take to, to walk the path of life in the area of our sexuality. And we're going to look at three really practical steps that, that uh, Solomon gives us as if you, want to, if you want to get the most out of life in this area, uh, here's what you need to do. So there in your note sheet, there's a section called the gift of sex, a double-edged sword. So let's jump in. Uh, the, the first thing that I'm going to say is the first principle that comes out it's not going to surprise those of you who have been longtime Christ followers and have been exposed to good teaching. If you've been a longtime, uh, longtime Christ follower exposed to bad teaching, or if you're brand new at this whole Jesus Christian thing, just checking it out, this may be a surprise to you. But the first principle that jumps out as you study Proverbs is that sex is a good thing. Uh, can I hear an Amen. Amen. Good. All right. So uh, this may, again, like surprise you because I think out there in, in, the, in our culture, in the world, you'd often think, what do Christians think about sex? You'd almost say, like, well, they're kind of anti or, or God is not for sex or something like that. But, but the reality is God is the one who created it. He designed it. He is the ultimate artiste here. He's the one who carefully designed our bodies for this. And so it was given to us to be an incredible gift. And so there in your note sheet, you have a quote from uh, one of my favorite authors, uh, 
C.S. Lewis. Any C.S. Lewis lovers out there? Like, <laughs> amen. That if he wrote it, I read it. That's the way I, I, I put it. But uh, I, I love this guy. You know, he, uh, Oxford, uh, Oxford Don. That's what they call a professor. They call him Don. I'm not sure why, who Don was. But uh, they call him Oxford Don, Cambridge Don, uh, professor. Comes to Christ later in life. Becomes one of the most powerful uh, forces for Christ in the 20th century. One of the greatest intellectual uh, leaders of the church in church history. And so he wrote a book called, uh, oh, by the way, he did Chronicles of Narnia for those of you who only go to the movies. But um, anyway, uh, he wrote a book called Mere Christianity where he lays out, here's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And he has a chapter on sex. And if you've never read it, you might want to read it now. But anyway, uh, then this chapter on, on sex, this is what he says there in your note sheet. He said the old Christian teachers, and of course he's talking about uh, kind of classic uh, antiquity uh, Christian teachers. The old Christian teachers said that if, a man had, had, if man had never fallen, in other words, as a, as a race, if we had not rebelled against God, that sexual pleasure, instead of being less than it is now, would actually have been greater. Okay, so I, I want you to kind of lock in on that, that what we experience now, like everything else after the fall, is less than it would have been. And so then he says, I know some muddle-headed Christians, I love that, uh, I've met some of them, uh, I know that some muddle-headed Christians have talked as if Christianity thought that sex or the body or pleasure were bad in themselves, but they were wrong. Christianity is almost the only one of the great religions that thoroughly approves the body. And so if anyone says that sex in itself is bad, Christianity contradicts him at once. And of course, this is exactly what you see from the very beginning of the book. I mean, chapter one and two of Genesis opening scene, uh, God creates the man out of the man, creates the woman from the one, becomes the two. Why? So the two can become one. And so they're designed to come together that they might be one in every way, uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And so right at the very beginning, we see we are designed for this as a race. It's, it's designed to be a kid. I mean, if you remember that, that story, kind of the, the, the scene there, uh, they were naked. They're not ashamed. And so sex is really designed, as we kind of look through Scripture, to be a sort of super glue, like a spiritual super glue is what I like to call it, that bonds people from two into one. And so it's designed to, to bond, and it works very well, which is why it's so powerful. One of the reasons we're attracted so much uh, to it. And so, um, so this is what we see, and this also as we move into Proverbs. We see that Proverbs then takes this theme and begins to develop it more. Uh, for example, there on your note sheet in chapter 5, we have, uh, in, in fact, in the first, uh, the first nine chapters of Proverbs, are really uh, one of the topics that's talked about the very most in all the book is our sexuality. And often the scene is you have a father, the ideal father, counseling his son on the path to life. And so uh, sexuality, since this, this young man's an adolescent, he's preparing for life, our sexuality kicks in there. One of the constant themes is, is sexuality. And so here he says in chapter 5, and by the way, today, way more than normal, we're going to put most of the verses are on your note sheet. If you're new here, we normally open our Bibles and dig in, but there's just, we're, we're jumping around so much and covering so much territory uh, just for, for, for sake of time. I put them all in. So he says, may your fountain be blessed, talking about his marriage. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breasts satisfy you always. And may you be captivated by her love. So you see here, uh, right from the beginning, that we are created for passion, aren't we? That the God has created us not only for purity, he's created us for passion. This is how we were designed. And one of the things I'm going to be saying a lot today is this topic of sexuality. We often miss this. 
is that what Jesus has come to do is to restore all, he's come to restore our lives at every level. And so we were created for passion and purity. In Colossians, uh, the apostle Paul puts it this way, that, that we come to Christ, we're in the process of being recreated in the image of our creator. And so Jesus has come to turn all wrongs to right and to recreate what we're supposed to be. And so what we see is we're created for passion, we're created for purity. Jesus is in the process as we come to him of restoring, healing that area of our life. Does, does that make sense? And so we're gonna be talking about that a lot. So here you, you see that captivated by our love, uh, this picture of passion uh, in, in, in marriage. Now, of course, uh, this, this gift of sexuality, of course, is designed then for this relationship of marriage, one man, one woman, for a lifetime of love and commitment, right? And so, so that's the way it's laid out. Now, uh, in my preparation for this series, one of the commentaries I consulted was by a great Hebrew scholar named uh, Trumper Longman III. And I like the way he translates the Hebrew here in this passage. You can see it on your note sheet. May your, your spring be, uh, be blessed and uh, rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a deer of love and an ibex of grace. Let her breasts intoxicate you at all the time. Isn't that awesome? I'm not sure how you get much done, but uh, you get the point. Uh, so be continually inebriated. You're just staggering around the house. He said, this is God's vision for your life, that, that God has come to restore our purity at our passion. This is the Garden of Eden. This is the, the two that are naked and not ashamed, coming together to be one, okay? And so that's where we start the story in Proverbs, that sex is a good thing. Now, number two, the second big picture principle is that sex, however, is a dangerous thing, all right? It's kind of like fire. It can warm you or it can burn you, depending on how you use it. And so in, in the right relationship, uh, in a relationship of lifetime love and commitment, which is really what marriage is, uh, in that relationship of love and commitment, that sex becomes an incredible gift, but outside of that fireplace, Right, outside of that fireplace, that this fire can burn your house down. So, so you stop and think about it. Uh, nothing better, cold winter night, come in from skiing, snowboarding, playing in the snow, making a snowman, and you come in front of that roaring stone fireplace, and nothing better than, than kind of snuggling up there and just feeling that heat. Uh, uh, sex is like that in the right place, uh, right person, right time, uh, fantastic. But now all of a sudden, you turn away, a spark comes out, hits the carpet, the place goes up in smoke, which I almost did one time. And, and I'm telling you, no fun, right? I almost burned a cabin down one time, but that's for another day. Uh, now, and so, so what Proverbs says is there's something about the way God has designed us. The way we're designed is two to become one. The way that we're designed uh, for, for sex to operate as a spiritual superglue, that the, the same power that, that it has to unite us and bond us together in marriage, that it still has that power outside of marriage. And so the danger is if you have a one night stand, if you sleep with your boyfriend or girlfriend and break up six months later, if you live together before you're married and, and then that never works out or even if it does or whatever, what happens is that when that relationship breaks up, there is a tearing. Because, because like superglue, it bonds. And it bonds where, you know, you, you know like superglue, you have to be careful where you put it, right? You don't like, oh, crud, I did it again. And so uh, and now I've got to, 
you know, and painful. And in the same way, sex works. It bonds. It's what it's designed to do. And so when you bond yourself to someone else, whether, again, that one-night stand or, or just the person you meet at the bar or, or it's your silence, your steady girlfriend or whatever, when you, when, you, when you use sex, it bonds you. And then when you break up that relationship, there is a tearing. There is a ripping at the soul level. And, and, and it, it, there's a loss of yourself in the process. And so, so Proverbs says, this is dangerous. So he says, son, be very careful with this. And so let me give you some examples. Let's walk through two or three examples in Proverbs where it talks about the danger of sexuality. So he says, uh, in chapter two, Proverbs two, he says, it will save you from the adulteress. Now, the it here is wisdom, is in the context. Wisdom, seeing life from God's point of view, seeing life as it really is, that's what wisdom is about. If you can really see clearly, he says, then it will save you from the adulteress. Now, in Proverbs, uh, illicit sexuality, uh, sex outside of that relationship of marriage, is often portrayed as an adulterous woman uh, who kind of comes after you. For those of you old enough, think fatal attraction. Uh, for, or, or a prostitute who's kind of, you know, uh, kind of coming after you. So, so it's often portrayed that way. So notice what he says. They will save you from the adulteress, from the wayward wife with her seductive words. And that's one of the things we're going to be seeing a lot today is that sex is seductive. Right? Can, we, can, I get, can I get an amen on that one? Yeah. It's seductive. It's exciting. Uh, uh, sex, illicit sex. But illicit sex is exciting. It's inviting. It's appealing. Uh, we're in church, but we can be honest still, right? That, that this, that it is, sex is incredibly empowering. And so what Proverbs does not say is sex isn't seductive. It says it is seductive, illicit sex, but it's dangerous. And so he goes on and he says, none who go to her uh, return or attain the what? The paths to what? Life. And here's what you're going to see in these passages I'm going to show you today. Remember, all of Proverbs is about the path to life, the path to death. And here's what we're going to see, that illicit sex leads us to the path to death. It robs us of our life. It robs us of the life we're intended to, to live, uh, where God wants to take us. And so uh, let's go on next one, Proverbs 6. Uh, the prostitute, uh, again, kind of re representing illicit sexuality, she reduces you, I love this, to a loaf of bread. Okay? Now, I don't even know what that means. But it's just like an awesome picture. Like, dude, you look like Weber's. Where have you been? You know, it's just like, oh, I went to see, you know, Sally. Uh, yeah, you look like, I can see. It's just it's like, you know, you're just kind of brain dead here. Uh, and he says, and the adulteress preys upon your very life. Can, can notice that. Uh, can, uh, then he says, can a, can a man scoop a fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? You know, can you play with fire and not be burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So, so what's the message? Play with fire, you're going to get burned, right? So, so I want you to catch this, that Proverbs presents us not so much that sex is evil, though it is, illicit sex is evil, though it is, but what it really presents us for is it's stupid, okay? That because... Because you're going to pay such a high, it's like that's an incredible thing you're buying there. Did you look at the price tag? Oh, no, I just put it on my credit card. Okay, well, you're paying for the rest of your life. You know, it's like, the, it's, yeah, I, I, know, I get why you like it, but, but here's the price. And so that's the message of Proverbs. Um, 
Next verse, Proverbs 5, once again, the ideal father counseling his son. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen well to my words of insight. For the lips of the adulteress, they drip honey. Yes, it's very attractive. And her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, and I want you to underline that, in the end, yes, it is very appealing. Yes, very pleasurable. Yes, very exciting, very erotic, very intoxicating. But in the end, end of the story, okay? We need to, go, we need to fast forward to the end of the story. Where does this lead? And he says, in the end, uh, she is bitter as gall and sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to where? Death, you see it again, and her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. See there it is again. Uh, her paths are crooked, and she knows it not. So, so the big picture uh, uh, teaching of Proverbs is that sex is this incredible gift designed to bond, but outside of that relationship of lifetime love uh, and commitment, that it will, it will destroy you. It will tear your life apart. It, it will hurt you. It will damage you and the person that you're sleeping with, right? So it's a two-way street, and therefore, choose wisely. Therefore, choose the path to life. Now, having said that, uh, what I want to do in our time today is spend most of our time in this next section where it says sexual purity and the path to life. And we want to talk about, so what are the steps then that we need to take in this area as followers of Jesus to, uh, to walk the path of life and experience the life that Jesus has for us? So number one, the first thing that we need to do according to Proverbs is to protect our purity. This is a message of Proverbs that that. What we do with our bodies sexually really matters. Now, uh, this is hard for us even as Christ followers to follow. It's it's not so hard to see it. It's hard to follow it. And and there's a couple reasons why, I think. Uh, One one reason, I want to step back for a minute, and I want to just talk about and remind us what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Okay, Because we, we talk about this from time to time. I want to keep this always front and center. That, that when a man or woman comes to the place, they realize who Jesus is and, and what he's done for them. We, we give him our life, right? And we ask him to come into our life and we ask him to forgive us for all crimes committed against his, the king and his kingdom. And, and through his death on the cross, we're made right with God, not based on our performance, but based on his. And so ha- because of his cross, we enter in this new relationship with God, and we receive then the gift of his Holy Spirit. Christ comes to live within us to empower us and change us from the inside out. And the ultimate goal of this is that we be transformed and we become like Jesus. And if you were here a couple series ago in our, our series on Galatians, we spent a long time about this. And we learned that the key to the Christian life is very simple. It's learning to listen and to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in our life. But we also learned in that series that that though we've come to Christ, we've been forgiven, we receive the gift of his spirit, he begins to change us from the inside out. Remember what happened to you when you became a believer. Remember how he began to change you. And so things that used to seem wrong now seem right. Things seem right now seem, there's a supernatural change that happens. But in spite of that, that we still have what I like to call a dark side. The apostle Paul calls it our flesh. Right? And he says that, that even though you have the Holy Spirit and, and he's, re- he's rescued you, you still have this dark side. And so the key to your life is to learn to listen and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and to resist and turn away from the calling of the dark side. And he says at times there will be a battle. Okay? And so 
uh, as Paul lays that out in Galatians 5, he says, let me tell you what it looks like to follow the leading of the Spirit. Let me explain what it looks like to follow the leading of the dark side. And there in your note sheet, I put what he says in Galatians 5 and verse 19, where he describes the dark side. And he says, the acts of the sinful nature, which uh, in the Greek is the flesh, uh, what I like to call the dark side, he said, are obvious. And the, and the first one he names is what? Sexual immorality. Now, here's what I want to be clear with you on. That you, if you're a follower of Jesus today, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And, and he is calling you to a life of passion and purity. And he is empowering you, and he has the power to change you and do that. But you still have a dark side. And there is a part of you that will always naturally gravitate in the right situation. It will be a magnetic pull to sexual immorality. And you have it and I have it. We all have it. Are are we clear on this? We've all got it. And and so though we read Proverbs and Path to Life and we read this scripture and the Holy Spirit speaks and it's very clear and we say, yes, that's what I want. This is a battleground, isn't it? Because, and we all know it at different levels. There's, there's a battle for our souls that's going on. There's a magnetic pull towards the dark side, towards the path to death. And so that's one reason it's hard to protect our purity, because we have this pull. But there's a second reason, and that's that we live in the midst of a culture that, that has is constantly given us a double-edged message that almost seem, at, at one level, contradictory. But we live in the midst of a culture that on the one hand that's constantly telling us that sex is no big deal, right? That sex is natural. Sex is like, it's like brushing your teeth, right? It's like, I don't think so. I'm just telling you right here and now. I don't think so. I'm never there. Okay, can I go longer? You know, just like this is, uh, this is like, ma'am, could you pass the crest? This is really awesome. Uh, it's like, no, no, so... Uh, it's natural, you know, it's, it's like brushing your teeth, it's like eating, it's like, it's like drinking, and so you just need to be uninhibited, let your body do what it wants to do, as long as you have two consenting adults, we're, we're good, right? So we're constantly getting that message, and so on the one hand, our culture says it is no big deal, but on the other hand, it says it's the biggest deal in the world. Right? So that, that sex is the key to life. And, and what I've, I've discovered, I think you'd agree, is that sex is one of the biggest gods of our culture today. That we are constantly being called that if we will bow down and worship this God, that it will lead us to life. It, it's the secret of happiness. And so you cannot walk out the checkout stand at Ralph's or Vaughn's or wherever you do your shopping. You cannot walk out the checkout stand. I'm not talking the magazine rack. You know, I'm talking just the checkout stand. You cannot walk through it without being barraged, can you? Like in our family, like I, I don't even do much of our grocery shopping, and I'm always just blown away as I go into that foreign territory called the grocery store. As I, as I walk in there, and, and it's just like you're constantly, I mean, there are images, there are pictures, there are 18 ways to better sex with your lover, and, 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 and there's national inquiry, and there's all this stuff that our culture is constantly telling us, this is the path to life. Right? So on the one hand, it's not a big deal. Do it anyway. It's a huge deal. It's, it's everything about life. And it's constant. And we're surrounded by it. And so as Christ followers, it's not always easy to walk out this path. But what Proverbs is saying is that you have to protect yourself. You have to protect your purity. Because if you don't, it will destroy you. 
And as you go into the Bible, what we find out is the reason that God feels so strongly about this is that sex has, has a power to be incredibly destructive, not only in your life, but in the lives of those you sleep with. And so the bottom line is sex is a major violation. It's a major crime against the law of love. Bottom line. That, that sex is a vile, illicit sex is a violation of the law of love. And I want you to see this for yourself in the New Testament. If you would turn, you need to turn your Bibles for this one to Ephesians chapter 5. Y'all there? I'm kind of waiting. It's going to be a little slow on the draw today. <laughs> I want you to miss this. Okay, number one, it says be imitators of God. So we, when we come to Christ uh, th th through Jesus, we become sons and daughters uh, uh, of the living God, right? We enter this new relationship with, with God. God becomes father, we become his sons and daughters. So he says, so just like the way little kids will imitate their parents, he says, uh, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. And, and you know this, right? That when you come to Jesus, when you come to God through the death of Jesus, that you enter in this relationship with God where you move from being an enemy of God into a son or daughter, and he dearly loves you. Right? So he says, so as sons or daughters dearly loved, uh, he said, uh, uh, then, then follow his example and live, verse two, live a life of love. Literally in the Greek it says, walk out a path of love. Live a, live a life of love just as Christ loved us and, and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so he says, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You've been restored to God. You're his sons and daughters. Be like your father. Live a life of love wherever you go, 24-7, in your homes, in your family, in the community, on the job site. Love people. Wherever you go, live in love. Just kind of like the, make that your atmosphere. Live a life of love. Okay, so, so we get that. Love God. Love one, uh, love people. First two commandments, right? Greatest commandments. It's what God cares about the most. We get that. Live a life of love. But what I want you to catch is the very next verse, because the very next verse says, "But among you, there must not even be a hint of what sexual immorality. Why? Because sexual immorality is a violation of a life of love." See, when I'm sleeping with someone other than my spouse, whether single or married, if I'm sleeping with someone, I am ripping them off. I am defrauding them. I am violating them. And I'm violating myself. It's a, a crime against the law of love, which is why God is so big on this. You see? So the first thing that Proverbs says is, hey, if you're serious about the, the, law, the, the, the path of life, you need to protect your purity. Now, so this becomes in for us as Christ followers, this becomes one of those kind of a cross in the road where we, we find out how much do we really trust God in our life. Uh, you know, early in this series, the very first week, we looked at this powerful passage on your note sheet from Proverbs 3, where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, that he's your leader, and he will make your path straight. He'll lead you in the path of life. And, and so the question is, well, do you believe that? Do you believe God loves you? Do you believe he's smarter than you? Do you believe he created sex? Do you believe he wants to lead you in the path of life? You have to decide. And if you believe you're smarter than God, then you'll do things your way. If you believe he's smarter than you, you'll trust him. 
And, and so sex is such a powerful area of our life. It's one of those areas that helps us get in touch with the reality of who we are and what we believe. Do we really trust in the Lord or do we really, when it comes down to it, push comes to shove, we trust in ourselves. And I think on top of that, that sex is one of those areas where we find out, are we serious about following Christ or not? Because it's very clearly portrayed out through the whole Bible, especially New Testament, this is kind of a non-negotiable. This is not one of those great gray areas, it's kind of a non-negotiable. There's a great quote there on your note sheet from uh, Dr. Henry Cloud and, and Dr. John Townsend, and they wrote a book called Boundaries in Dating, and if you're single, I'd highly recommend this book, but, but they, here's how they put it. There are few better tests for whether or not someone lives a life in submission to God than what he does, he or she does, with their sexuality. Boy, I think they're right on the money. Sex is such a powerful and meaningful desire that to give it up and obey God in that area is a true sign of worship. Kind of all I am, all I have, God. It's a true sign that someone's willing to say, not my will, but thine be done. And so it becomes, catch this, a litmus test for who rules one's life, that person or, or God. And so, so for all of us, whether single or married, this is true. The first step then on the path of life is we've got to protect our purity. Now, let me say this. Uh, though it's equally true for all of us, single or married, for those uh, of you who are single, this is a tremendous challenge, but it's also a tremendous opportunity. Uh, if you're single, you know the challenge part. You, you know this is not easy. But what we often miss is there's an incredible opportunity because the message of the New Testament is not just that Jesus died to forgive you, but he died so he could live within you and transform you and empower you to live the life you were created to live. And I'll tell you what, in this area of sexuality, there's a tremendous opportunity you have as a single adult to seriously press into Jesus and connect with him because without him and his power, you will probably fail. And so what happens is that uh, if you can learn how to trust Jesus and surrender to him, and if you can learn how to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit and how to follow his leading in your life in this area, guess what? It is a transferable lesson you can apply to other areas. And so it's an incredible challenge, but it's an incredible opportunity for you as well. It, it's a life-changing. When someone learns to surrender and receive the power of the Holy Spirit in this area of their life, it transforms all of their life. And so it's an awesome opportunity. But it is not easy. And I wish we had, you know, about a few hours, seriously, that we could talk about this, because I know it's, it really is a tough thing. And, and I did a series on this uh, years ago, a kind of a five-message series on this, and it's called Sex in the Single Life. And, and I think it'd be really helpful for you. And so this week, we, if you're single, we posted it online. It's, uh, it's right below our current series on Proverbs uh, it's a very helpful series, and so all the message notes, sheets of the MP3s are there. You can download them. If you prefer to have CDs and, and the hard copies, you can buy a set in our bookstore after this service, but it's there for you, all right? So that's number one. Uh, first of all, we're going to protect our purity. Uh, number two, the second step that Proverbs says we need to do if we want to walk the path of life is we need to guard our hearts. Now, this only makes sense, right? Uh, Jesus talked about this. He said that out of a person's heart flows their, their life. Um, he talked about this in a variety of ways. The good man, out of the, uh, out of the good things that he stored up, brings good things out of his life, out of his heart. 
uh, the, 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 the bad man out of the evil in his heart brings out bad things. That, that who we are on the inside determines who we are on the outside, right? That it's, it's, it's our, our motives, it's our thoughts, it's our emotions, it's our values. That the, whoever we are on the inside in our heart eventually comes out on the outside. And so uh, uh, Jesus said, it's not that which goes in a man that defiles him, but it's what comes out of a man. Because what comes from without comes from the heart. He says that the evil thoughts of the heart, like, like murder, adultery, sexual morality, they come out of the heart. And so... So the point is, is that if we want to stay on the path to life, that, that we have to guard, learn to guard our hearts at, at that level. And this is what uh, Proverbs says. There in your note sheet is in chapter 4. It says, uh, above all else, what's he say next? Guard your heart. Why? Because it's the wellspring of life. And so he compares our heart to like a well of water that, that out of that well flows our life. And so if you want your life to be uh, on track, you need to make sure the well is on track. So, so guard your heart. Now, uh, what does it look like to guard our heart in this, in this, this whole area of our sexuality? Uh, I'm going to give you one principle. Here's what it looks like. And then we're going to give you several illustrations, okay? Uh, the principle is we need to guard ourselves against anything that creates illicit desires inside of us. Okay? That, that's the principle. That, that words, as you go through life, you need to be paying attention. What creates illicit sexual desire? Like, what, what does that? Uh, I'm in this situation, I'm watching this show, I'm in this relationship, and there's an illicit pull towards, like, if I followed that, it would lead me to the dark side. Now, obviously, we can't avoid this altogether, but to the extent we can, that we need to guard our hearts. So let me give you some examples. Uh, let, let me give you an example for, for us men, uh, not that it's only a male issue, it's increasingly in our culture rapidly becoming female issue, but I'm going to give you one that kind of stereotypically is more that a male and then one stereotypically more female. Uh, for men, uh, you know, we are so image driven that, that for us, one of the things that creates illicit desires in us, desire for, for illicit sex, is, is uh, visual things, right? Pornography uh, would be a great example. Uh, uh, you know, magazine, whatever the thing is, but pornographic material. And, and what, what happens? I don't know if you've ever thought about what happens when we look at pornography, but, but what happens is it creates this illicit desire for, for sexuality. And what happens is it, it kind of feeds our dark side, right? It feeds our dark side, that part of us that, that say, just wants to use a woman uh, as an object of our pleasure. That, that's the dark side. We don't really care about who she is, whose daughter she is. We don't care whose wife she is. We don't care whose mother she is. We don't care about her future or who she is or who God's going. We just want her body, right? And that's the dark side part. And so it feeds that. Like when we, we are looking at pornography, we're, we're feeding that part. And what it does is it causes our soul to shrivel. And, and what happens, instead of becoming the men we are created to be, full-bodied, uh, kind of full, fully alive men. We become one-dimensional men. And what it does is it makes us look at women, all women, differently through this one lens. And it, it kind of narrows us down as a man as to who we are. Does, does that make sense? And so it robs us of our soul and it robs us of our ability to love. We can't now love women well, or we can't love our wife eventually if, if we're married or someday. Because, because we become so one-dimensional, we fed this dark side. Now, the same thing happens to women, kind of stereotypical, may not be you, but there's a reason why explicit romance novels are written. They're not for men, Right? 
Like you're not gonna go down the beach and all these guys are there with this big honk and this girl half naked hanging over him. Like you're not gonna see that, right? Because we don't care. We don't read. We want picture. Draw me a picture. Like I, I don't wanna read. That's just like take way too much time. Come on, like I am much faster than that. Give me a picture. I'm good to go. Right? So so that's what so so for women though, for women, those kinds of things, now you may say, I'm not that way. I'm not saying all women are. I say that there's a there's a reason why there's a huge market for that. And so what are you doing uh, when you are doing that? You're, you're creating this hunger for illicit relationship that, that can't be fulfilled like that right now if you're single. And if you're married, your creation, you're, you're creating a hunger for a man that you're not married to because there is no man like those books, right? <laughs> Like I'm telling you, there is, there, I mean, it's just like that is as much uh, fantasy as the airbrush pornography, right? There is no guy like that. And so now you're like, well, I'm looking for this guy. I wish my, man, you're like this, look at my husband. Look at this, look at my husband. Look at this. Like, wow, man, what a cross I've got to bear. And so, uh, and so, so do you realize what's happening here is that you're, you're losing your capacity to be the woman God's made you. You're losing that capacity to love. And so, so that would be one example. But let's move on, okay? Let's talk some relational things. If you're a single adult here, uh, uh, one of the things, one of the ways that you lose your capacity uh, to love or you, or you need to guard your heart is in your relationship in the area of boundaries. You know, when you're single, you're dating someone, uh, there's gonna be certain things you can't do, right? Because if you wanna guard your heart, like you, you can't say to your girlfriend, hey, I've got this great idea. There's this place out in the desert. There's no one around for, for, for miles. And at two o'clock in the morning, the stars are awesome. So let's go and put on some worship music and seek God together, <laughs> right? I can pretty much guarantee you're not going to find God. You might find something, but not God, right? There's certain environments that just cause your heart to be compromised. You know, there's probably not too many, you know, I won't go. Uh, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, there's certain things, your physical relationship, how you touch, how you kiss, what, there's gotta be some limits there, right? You can't get that toboggan going down the hill 80 miles an hour and then say, we're gonna stop. Right, there's got to be some wisdom. There's got to be some boundaries. Uh, for those of you who are single, another issue. This is one of the reasons it's so important that you date only people who are serious Christ followers, right? Because, because and when I say a serious Christ follower, I mean someone who not just says they're a Christ follower, but by their life, they're living out pursuing Jesus. You can tell it by their choices. Because there's a lot of people out there, you know, e-harmony or whatever, I'm a Christian. And so what happens is you let your guard down, you start dating them, and so now you begin, you begin to give them your heart, and all of a sudden you find out they're not a real Christ follower, and they're trying to push you towards sexual morality. And so, but the problem is you just gave them your heart. They, they, own the, they, they hold your heart in your hand. And, and so now you're trying to say, no, we, we shouldn't go there. And it's very difficult, right? That, that's why that if you're in a relationship like that with someone who's not a serious Christ follower and they're not willing to turn, you need to kick them to the curb. It's like, this is not for you. This is not, you are not going to walk the path of life if you're in a relationship with someone who's not following Jesus because they're not on the path to life. Are, are you with me? Okay, so guard your heart. Don't wait till you fall in love to figure this out. It will be one of the hardest battles you have to fight. Uh, let me give you another example. You're married. For those of us who are married, 
We have to really guard our heart in terms of relationships, friendships with someone of the opposite sex. I really believe that if, if you develop close personal relationships with someone of the opposite sex, you are playing with fire. And the reason is the best romantic relationships are always built on friendship, right? And so you may say, but I don't have any attraction to this person. We're just like the morning show guy and girl. You know, it's, we're just like, we're, we're just, you know, friends and we just, you know, we just get along really well and just have a lot of interest and all. I can't tell you but how many times I've seen this that one day you turn the corner and that spark ignites and all of a sudden you never saw it and you never asked for it and you never wanted it. But it happens and all of a sudden your heart has been compromised. And now you've got this person who understands you better than your wife or better than your husband. And we're like soulmates, and I never had this in my own marriage. And you're in for a fight. And even if you don't fall, you are in for a long and hard fight that's going to really hurt your marriage because your heart has gone somewhere else. Are you with me? You follow me in this? Okay, so, so what does this mean? Uh, well, let me give you one other example. It's just so prevalent today. Chat rooms whether you're single or married, I've seen so many people get in trouble because they have not guarded their heart in chat rooms. Because you go in a chat room and you think, well, this dude lives in Ohio. I would never marry anyone in Ohio, so I'm safe. <laughs> you know? But what happens is you begin to share your, sorry those of you on tape listening in Ohio. But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, sorry about Ohio State too, but anyway. Um, What happens is you enter in because there's this, there's this facade of safety. This is only internet. This is only conversation. I don't even know this person. They're a long ways away. And I tell you something, you begin to let down your guard and share things you wouldn't even share with someone else. And what happens, you know how intimacy is about sharing of hearts. That's what it's about. And so you, you begin to, to share honestly, and your heart begins, and pretty soon you're coming home uh, every day, and you can't wait to get home and get alone so you can chat with your friend. And, and your husband or wife is saying, I'm kind of concerned about this. Oh, it's nothing. It's nothing. Or you're single, and it's like you have now kind of given your heart to someone that you never would have dated, right? You wouldn't have dated because you knew they weren't the kind you want to date, but you'll chat with them. And so now, again, are, are you with me? You following this? And so, so what, what this means is that that as Christ followers, we need to guard our heart in these areas. And so what does that look like? If your struggle is pornography, you, you may need to put the computer instead of the den in the family room. Um, if your, your struggle is pornography, uh, you may to get, need to get accountability software on your program. You, you may need to go to celebrate recovery and get some help to get out of this uh, addiction. If, if you're a woman that you're kind of addicted to romance novels, you may need to get some accountability and put that down and like, let's step away from that. Uh, if you're a single adult, uh, you, you, you may need, and you're, and you're dating, so you may need to establish some new boundaries in your relationship or, or boundaries about who you will date, some new commitments in there. You're married, you need to make some, some new boundaries about who you will be friends with or time alone. Like in, in my own life, uh, just for, for my own protection, in my own life, there's a couple, you know, several things that I do in this area just because I don't trust myself, because, because I know I have a dark side. So there's certain things. I will not be close friends with a woman other than my wife. 
life. It's just too, there's too much that can go wrong with that. Uh, I will not ride in a car, and there's a few exceptions, but I mean, in general, I will not ride in a car with a woman alone. I won't go out for lunch with a woman alone. I won't go to Starbucks with a woman alone. Why? Because I think I'm going to fall that time? No, but because I'm walking into a setting that by nature feels sort of romantic, doesn't it? That's what you do on a date when you're interested. You, you go into this setting, you go out to dinner, and I can't, when I've been in those settings, and I have been sometimes over the course of my life earlier, all of a sudden there's just kind of a weirdness, and there's nothing going on. It's just there's a weird vibe that's happening, right? And so uh, another safeguard in my own life that Lynn and I do is that uh, this, this may be news to some of you, uh, but probably not. But, you know, just because you're married doesn't mean you suddenly lose chemistry with all, all other people of the opposite sex. Like, you're going to meet people in your life, at your office, in a church, in a life group, in a ministry team, uh, you know, on the Little League baseball team. You're going to meet people in your life that you are naturally attracted to. Just like uh, when you dated your spouse, that you, you might have been right away. That you just kinda, there's a kind of a connection there. And, and so you may have to walk away from that. I remember one time when I was on jury duty in San Diego in a federal drug running case. And I was turned, chosen to be uh, foreman of this case. It was a very exciting case. But I remember this one woman uh, uh, on, the, on the court case that it was just like we were just hitting it off. I mean, you know, that's a very intense thing. You're working on the jury deliberations. And we're just, we're on the same page. And, we're just, and she, was very, she was very sharp. She was attractive. You know, I was dressed up. I didn't look like this. Got the suit thing going on, you know. Looked like, <laughs> looked like the attorney wannabe. And... Uh, and so I'm looking sharp, and I'm, you know, leading this group and stuff like that. And I can sense there's energy. I walk out one day. We're going to lunch. Everyone's going one way. And all of a sudden, we're left alone. And she says, do you want to go to lunch? And it can happen fast, right? It can happen fast. And, and so what did I say? Because I didn't want to be rude. And I looked really like a moron to say no. I said, yes, right? And then partway there, it's like I came up with some stupid excuse. I have to call somebody. I remember someone won't be able to go to lunch. Very awkward. But it would have been much more, <laughs> but it would have been much more awkward to go to lunch. Right? right? And so, so, so we, we draw boundaries in our, in our life. There's a great passage in Proverbs 5. It's not on your note sheet, but it talks about the situation. It says, stay far away from her door. Stay far away from her door. Can I ask you, what's the door to elicit sexuality in your life? What is the door? Is it that relationship? Is it that place, that, that bar you used to always go and meet people? Is it a particular relationship? Is it a kind of novel? Is it the porn thing? What is it? What is the door in your life? If you want the path to life, you don't wait till the temptation comes. You avoid it. You, know, you take it on your own terms. You guard your heart, okay? Now, number three. The, the third step, and, and this is one that I, I'm really passionate about, uh, uh, coincidentally, but it's called pursue your passion. Um, re remember what I said is that Jesus has to come to restore our passion and our purity. And often in Christian circles, we talk about sexuality, we focus on the purity part, and understandably, it's incredibly important. But like I said earlier, remember, Jesus has come to restore your passion. And so if you're single, Jesus is not coming just to restore your purity. He's coming to restore your purity uh, in preparation for passion down the line. 
And if you're married, uh, he's coming to restore, he wants to restore passion uh, for your spouse. That this is what we were created for, to be people of purity and passion, and Jesus comes to restore all things. So we saw this uh, earlier in Proverbs chapter 5, where the father was counseling the son there in your note sheet, may your fountain be blessed, may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always, remember that, uh, may you be captivated by her love. And so we, we looked at that, this whole issue of passion, we're created for passion. Well, in the book of, the, the next book that we come to uh, in, the book, in, in the Bible, Song of Solomon, uh, also either written by or associated with Solomon. Uh, Solomon talks about this whole issue of romantic passion. And the whole book is, a, is kind of a long love poem, a song uh, on this topic, beauty of romance, love, uh, sexual, uh, uh, sexual relationship, and so on. And so um, in that passage, he paints a picture that I really believe is almost like back to the garden. It's kind of like, here's what sexuality was designed for. And in this passage, what you have is you have a husband uh, uh, kind of checking out his wife, all right? So they're getting ready to go in the bedroom, and he's checking her out, kind of looking her up and down from, from the bottom up, from, from her feet up. And so I'm just giving you some of the highlights of that passage. It's there, you know, she, uh, chapter 7. This is kind of like the sports, sports, uh, sports center highlights. Uh, uh, but so he says, how beautiful your sandaled feet, uh, O prince's daughter. Your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of a craftsman's hand. So he's kind of starting at the feet, he's going to move up. He says, your waist is a mound of wheat encircled by lilies. Now, honestly, I don't really get that one. Uh, I'm sure it was just like a hot pickup line at the time, but I don't really... Didn't translate. Now, the next one I get, these two fawns kind of bouncing around. Uh, your breasts are like two fawns. Uh, twins of a gazelle, I'm moving on quickly. How beautiful you are and how pleasing, oh love, with your delight. And now he starts comparing her to this palm tree. He says, your stature is like a palm and your breasts, they're like clusters of fruit. And I said, I will climb that palm tree and I will take hold of that fruit. <laughs> now I'm waiting for a church to put that one on the wall. You know what I'm saying? And I'll tell you what, some of you guys out there, you've never memorized a verse. This is a place to start, I'm telling you. You want to get this one down. And, and so, so now, he moves, now he moves from palm trees to eating grapes, all right? And so he's like, may your breasts be like clusters of the vine, the fragrance of your breath like apples, and your mouth like the best wine. And so that she is just, she's getting turned on by this. She's just like, she is being pursued, and, and she's just so excited. And so she says, may the wine go straight to my lover. Come and get it, uh, flowing gently over lips and teeth. I belong to my lover and his desire. And so you have this man passionately pursuing his wife and his wife just loving being treasured and loving being passionately pursued. Isn't that awesome? And, and to me, that's a picture of the garden. And that's the picture of, of what God wants to restore us to in our sexual. It's not just passion, or not just purity, it's passion and purity. This is his calling. Now, this is so important for a couple reasons. One reason is that if you're married, your sexuality, your sexual relationship is an important part of, of that relationship. 
It's an important part of two becoming one, right? And if we're not uh, pursuing that, enjoying that, there, there's a stress that's on our relationship. We're not becoming what God intends. But secondly, here's the thing, is that if you're not enjoying this in your relationship, then what it does is it's really opening you up for sexual temptation, and, and so Paul, the Apostle Paul talks about that. And there in your note sheet, you'll find it, 1 Corinthians 7. He says, uh, the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. Do not deprive each other of sexual relationship unless, for, uh, unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time. So like a sexual fast, basically, so that you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. And then afterwards, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And so catch this. What Paul is saying is that when you, when you get married, you are taking one of the most important parts of who you are as a person, your sexuality, and you are trusting yourself to someone else to meet that need in your life. And so, so when a man and woman, they stand there and they get married, they're saying, uh, I do, they're making a promise that I will never again sleep with another person other than you. I give you my body, my soul, and my spirit. And, and in doing that, they're trusting their partner to meet those needs. Are, are you with me? So it's a very limiting thing. It's like I take this very precious part of myself and I trust you with it. And I say, I will give this to you and you alone, I will trust you to meet that need. Now, when a wife doesn't meet that need, for a husband, she is putting him in a very dangerous spot. When a husband doesn't meet that need for a wife, she is compromising her heart and she's, she's putting in a difficult spot. You, you see what I'm saying? And so as Christ's followers, it's so important that, that we allow Jesus to heal us in this area and restore our passion. Now, the interesting thing is, if you've never been married you're single, you may be saying, why do you even have to teach on this? Isn't that the good thing about marriage? You can do this whenever you want. But here's what I've found, and I won't ask for a show of hands, but I'm sure it's true in this room, that, that, that the same couple that before they get married have a hard time keeping their hands off one another. If you talk to couples like I have, many times later, the same, whether it's a one year, two years fight, whatever it is, that they now have a hard time putting their hands on each other. It's very common. And so if you're here and you're there, I know what you're going through. I, I've heard the story. I know your pain. And here's what I'm saying is that Jesus has called you to something better. He's called you to something better. He's called you to a life of passion. And sometimes there are such good reasons for that. Some of you have been molested or you've been abused or you've been raped or in some way you've been violated. And that has just opened up a brokenness in your life and you really need Jesus to heal that. And I get that pain, but it's causing problems in the marriage. For some of you, you've had so many relationships before you get married that every time you sleep with your husband or your wife, you cannot help those images coming back and comparing them and it's, it's kind of emasculating you or it's, it's taking away whatever. It's, it's kind of reducing your ability to enjoy that relationship. Some of you have become addicted to porn and so your wife or husband can't turn you on anymore because the only thing that can turn you on is what you've trained your mind for and so this can never compare to that because this is not real, and this is, and so that becomes hard. Some of you, and, and this, is a, uh, this is a hard thing to say, but I think that there's a lot of you that will want me to say it, and, and that's it. Sometimes before we get married, I 
was talking to a guy the other day. He said, yeah, one of the first things to go after you get married is your health club membership. You know, be, before we get married, man, we take care of ourselves, right? We're, we're trying to catch this person. We want to be attractive. But in some marriages, either one or the other, it could be husband or wife, they just let themselves go over time. And so all of a sudden, it's hard to respond sexually. And that's a reality. And we need to talk about that. You see, we need to take care of uh, uh, the temple. Uh, sometimes there's, there's others physical issues. Sometimes there's pain involved. Or sometimes uh, as we grow older, there's a loss of sexual desire or capacity. These are very real issues, right? But one of the biggest issues that often comes up is that our sexual relationship is often an indicator of the health of our marriage. Now, not always, but often it's an indicator because uh, uh, often what happens in a marriage is if a wife does not feel loved by her husband, if a wife doesn't feel emotionally connected to her husband, those are the two key words, emotionally connected. If, he does, if she doesn't feel like her husband understands and listens to her, she finds it hard to sexually connect. And on the other side, uh, uh, wives, this is so hard for a man who feels disrespected, who feels nagged all the time, who feels put down, he's a masculine in front of friends and family by the words you say and then you wonder why he can't perform in the bedroom and why he's not drawn. You have emasculated him with your words. You see what I'm saying here? And so as Christ followers, we cannot leave this part of our life and say, well, that's just this part. No, no, no. Jesus has come to heal and he's come to restore. And you owe it to yourself, you owe it to your spouse, and you owe it to God. To, to invite Christ in, to let him lead and guide and heal and step by step follow the leading of the Spirit in this area. Now, one, one more thing. If, if, if this is an area you're kind of struggling with or need some help in, uh, I want to resource you as well. And there's a great book. I think we've already sold out in the bookstore. We had some extra copies this weekend, but it went out pretty fast. But it's there on your note sheet. It's by Dr. Kevin Lehman, who's just an excellent writer. It's called Sheet Music. It's a book on sex in marriage. And if you're preparing for marriage or, or you're, uh, you're married, just really highly recommend it. Very practical, uh, fun to read. Uh, it's not uh, kind of overly uh, uh, technical. It's extremely informed, but it's not like, like you know, some, some kind of reading a doctor's manual. It's just a lot of fun. It's really good stuff, and I would highly recommend it, okay? So let's pray together. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I want to just talk to you for just a minute. Uh, I know in a room like this, there are just so many uh, different kinds of people and experiences. You know, some of you are just walking really well with Jesus in this area right now. This area, he's healed, he's restored, he's empowered. And you're just so thankful for what he's done. And, and that's just awesome. And this message is kind of reinforcement for you and, and just encouragement. It's one you can give to your friends. And it's just, you know, you're in a good spot. But I just know that in a room like this, there's a lot of us not in a good spot. You know, maybe you are that person who was molested or raped, and you've just been wounded. So you've been so wounded sexually, and it's just such a hard topic for you. Maybe you're here, and, uh, and you're that person that is in a relationship with someone who's really not following Christ. You're, you're a single person, but you're, you're dating someone. You're, you're, you're crossing boundaries. You're sleeping together. God's been screaming at you and calling you home, and yet you've... You've been resisting, and, and it's just right now, you just need to, to, to bow the knee and come home and let him love you and receive his forgiveness and turn so you can walk the path of life. So, some of us here are in marriages. are just really struggling, and I just want to challenge you. Please do not use anything that I said today as a weapon to attack your spouse. That, that, that's not what this message is about. This is a, a message for each of us to look at our own life and say, what is there to learn? 
How can I grow? But, but maybe you're in a tough spot. You just you so much need Jesus to come and help heal your marriage and, and to break down those walls and, and to begin taking small steps. It'll take time, but taking small steps as God leads. You need to get the resources, get the counseling, get the book. or You need to, to get some counsel from You need to move towards this. Our sexuality is such a core part of, of who we are. It's such an important part of following Christ in the path of life. And, and so today, if you're here in a place of need, we just want to go into a time of worship as we, we ask God to heal and forgive and to draw and to cleanse. And so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to stand and worship. Father, we just invite you in to restore our lives. We thank you for created us for purity and passion. It's not easy. We can't do it on our own. We need your help. And so we pray that you come and meet with us now as we worship in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand with me? Hey, Lord, we are so thankful for you that your love endures no matter how we stray or get off track, that because of Christ and his death, that your love endures and you're passionate over us and you will lead us home. And, and so, God, we just pray that wherever we're starting today uh, and this journey from today for you to lead us home, the next step. God, heal our marriages. Fix our brokenness. Give us the strength that we need to walk the path of life. Be our guide. Be our leader. Be our shepherd. God, we come to you as a church, and we just so desperately need you. We cannot do this alone. It's not within our capacity. It's only through you and your death and your resurrection and the power of your spirit that we can transform who we've been to who we are. And so we pray that you would lead us home. And we thank you for the promise. Your promise that we will. That if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. And that we have the power to put to death the deeds of the flesh by the spirit and live a whole new life. And so we thank you for that in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. It's good to be together in worship, isn't it? It's awesome. Well, may the Lord bless you this week. Uh, next week, continue the journey in Proverbs. Next week, the topic is work, careers, that sort of thing. Uh, the role they play in our life. If you hate your job, you will want to be here. Uh, uh, if, if you love your job, you'll want to be here. Uh, that, that this plays such a huge part in our life, like our, our work life, and we don't really talk. Where does it fit into God's plan? Uh, where does it fit into our calling as Christ's followers? And so really looking forward to rolling up our sleeves and diving in the Word, what Proverbs says about the importance of work and the role it plays. So until then, may the Lord be with you. May he be your strength. May he be your guide. May he be your shepherd. May he be your strong tower, the one that you run to when you're weak or when you need healing. May he be your healer, the one who comes alongside, the one who gives you hope and restores all things. May you let him recreate you into the image of his son because that's why he died, that's why he called you, and that's why we're here. Amen? Amen. God bless you. I love you. See you next week. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening. <laughs>